Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to City Church U's Knowing God Guided Reading Podcast. We hope you will join us this holiday season as we read J.I. Packer's modern classic, Knowing God. All right, guys, chapter two, the people who know their God. I love how J.I. Packer opens this up, uh, just talking about what do the people of God look like. And he says, the attitude we show to the world is a sort of dried up stoicism, miles removed from the joy unspeakable and full of glory, which Peter took for granted that his readers were displaying. I think too that, you know, as I'm reading this chapter and I'm thinking about to use his words on on page 25, dried up stoicism, how I think for a lot of us, we've experienced this, we've seen this, maybe we we felt this in our own lives. What are y'all's thoughts on, on, Christians or what have you when have you seen this played out well where somebody just has this joy for the Lord? What does that look like? I think that um we are really blessed in our church just to have church members and staff and families who um so beautifully reflect that joy um that he's speaking of. And I'm not saying that anyone does it perfectly all the time, but I just think that was something um, that initially, in my opinion, really, you know, made our church stand out and made, you know, um, my husband and I just wonder, like, what is different in them? What did they know that that we don't know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I see it now, which I also see, you know, some dried up stoicism from time to time, I just think that... um, we're human and that can, that can also be a personality flaw. But anyway, it just, um, I, I am thankful that we have examples, um, around us of, of fellow believers who, um, their life just radiates joy from God. Like it just must be otherworldly. <laughs> yeah. And I think that so many people get a bad rap about, you know, reading theology, understanding theology, because it so often is understood as that dry stoicism, that just like old stuffy dude, you know, that just sits in his office reading all day. But to Amanda's point, we really do have a lot of people in city church who love the Lord with all of their mind um, in theology, and that reflects in how they act and and their generosity and um, Often Emma and I uh, are invited into people's homes to share dinners and meals with them. And it's just so evident that these people like understand what Jesus did for them. And so they live joyfully um, in retrospect of that. Yeah. And he, he talks about on page 25, 
um, you know, these crosses and he says, so we call them these things that we dwell on, we focus on that we ought not um, as, as believers. And he does something interesting. He, he quotes Paul in Philippians three, which we just went over at city church, you not too long ago, actually, Hank, you preached on that passage. Yep. Yeah. Um, and he talks about how, like Paul talked about things that before he came to know Christ, he counted as loss. And he said that he says they're dung, they're manure, these, these old things that they used to take priority in my life. They used to be the things I meditate on and reflect on. And yet now I, I desire to press on to know Christ Jesus and, you know, very, very safe assumption that this verse in Philippians three is where the, the book got its name knowing, knowing God, uh, to press on and know Christ Jesus. And he says, you know, when we, when we dwell on these old crosses, these old things that we used to, to focus on and carry around and dwell on, um, he said, it's like daydreaming and, and reflecting and thinking about manure, you know, to use Paul's words. Um, and I think that that, that, uh, imagery, I think is really helpful for us as, as we, um, go through this book and, and realize, you know, to tie it back to the last podcast, what does it mean to know truth, meditate on truth, fill our minds with truth, and then respond appropriately? I'd love to hear from you guys, like in your life, as you've tried to grow as a follower of Christ, how do you try to avoid yourself from daydreaming about manure? <laughs> well, I can say I've never thought of it like quite like that before. <laughs> Um, but when you do, it really puts it in such cl- just so clear a perspective that um, us as Christians, you know, we, we should count all that as as loss. Like our former life, you know, that's our old self. We're called to take off the old self and put on the new self. And um, for me, it really... Um, the way that I feel like I've been able to kind of tackle that because I think we're all um, guilty of that. And sometimes we just drift toward those, those thoughts that are like in no way helpful um, from our past. And for me, it came down to time um, that I realized like time um, is such a commodity. And especially as Mm -hmm. I desire to learn more that my time is very limited. Um, and we just, we have certain things that require time. Um, and we need to keep that, um, in mind as we, um, think about time management in our day to day, but mostly, you know, for the time that the times that I found myself thinking back on, um, things, I guess, uh, that he would consider rubbish or manure that how much better could I be using this time right now? Um, to be in the word of God or uh, just studying um, a book about scripture or something like that, um, just to kind of turn the tables and realize like, well, how, am I valuing my time um, in a way that honors God right now? Mm. That's good. Yeah. I don't know if I have a better thought than that one. <laughs> <laughs> Honesty is sometimes the the best answer. <laughs> um, you know, so, you know, in thinking about that too, um, and kind of filling our life up, filling our minds and hearts up with knowing God and not meditating and dwelling on these things that we should be leaving behind us. 
Um, he says something on page 26 that I really like that I think is important. He says, a little knowledge of God is worth more than a great deal of knowledge about him. And if you're listening to this podcast, our senior pastor uh, wrote a book called The Unsaved Christian that I think hits on this really well, but talks about how you can know about God and know things about him without truly knowing God. And he gives two really great examples. He says, you can, you can know a great deal about God without much knowledge of him uh, in the sense of like people maybe who grew up in church or have good memories and, and know a lot of statistics or uh, Bible verses and things like that. Uh, and then the second one, you can know a great deal about godliness without much knowledge of God. That's just your, your actions can be um, in, in the, done in the right way, and yet you still not have that personal relationship with Christ. In, in, your, experience, in your life, in your story, what did it look like for you to move from just having some sort of knowledge of God to knowing God? I mean, it took Christ. (laughs) Um, A lot of it was, so I didn't exactly like grow up in the church. We went to church, but we weren't very involved. Um, But when my dad got saved um, or came back to the Lord when I was in the eighth grade, um, I just really began to see what it meant to actually know God. Like my dad no longer spent time doing other things on Saturday mornings he would be studying like the Bible and reading books. And um, it was just a little bit confusing to me. I mean, it wasn't until a couple of years later that my eyes were opened by God himself to be able to see him. What I had known about God before was, I mean, it was just things that I knew about him that my dad had taught me, but then it took Christ saving me, redeeming me in order for me to personally know him. Yeah. And I think that, um, it's a, there, there is a bridge, um, in that like going from knowing about God to knowing of God. And then also the same for godliness, um, that there's a vast expanse between the two and you don't really realize it. Sometimes you're kind of like in the middle as you figure out what it knows, what it means to know more about God. Um, for like, for me, I would say, that in the area of godliness, like I called, kind of called that the how-to section, um, how to pray, how to witness, um, how to read your Bible, etc. But as a Christian, um, learning about these things and learning how to practice the disciplines um, and, and what is required to, to learn more um, about Christianity, about God, our Creator, to to realize that it wasn't just the action that mattered and like hank said i mean it's it is the work of the holy spirit by god's grace in us that bridges that gap um Mm -hmm. but that also our awareness of the things we're learning and how they translate it's not just how to do something or how to do something well but it's it's the transformation that's happening in that process um, and being aware of that and praising God for that and praying through that um, to actually, you know, be what it is meant to be. And that's not just gaining knowledge about 
how to learn about God or how to be a quote unquote good Christian. It's so much deeper than that. And so I think like recognizing that and then also in your life, you know, there, I think there is a moment where you realize like I am being transformed, like this is happening and you know, it's a praiseworthy moment. And then just hoping to build on that as you, as you learn more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we see this kind of this transformation from knowing about God to knowing God um, happen a lot in college ministry. A lot of our baptisms, it's students grew up with some working knowledge of who Christ was, but not a salvific knowledge, not a salvific relationship. And on page 27, he says, you know, it's possible to learn a great deal secondhand about the practice of Christianity. And I love that kind of word secondhand, because I think that's what we see a lot is like secondhand Christianity. It's like, I grew up in a a Christian household and this is what you do. You go to church. So now I'm here in college and I'm going to go to church at least some, you know, on, on certain Sundays. And this, this kind of shift that happens, I think is, is exactly the heart behind this book. This, this intimate knowledge and relationship of, of who God is. And, and he gives like the evidence. And I wanted to talk a little bit about these for a moment as we kind of wrap up, but he talks about the evidences of knowing God. And one of them is, he says, the first one is an energy, a great energy for God. What does this look like? Yeah, I think our students reflect this. And this is where I'm most encouraged most often about energy for God. Um, when I think about it, but I see students that truly have been changed by the love of God in our college ministry that are always looking for something to do to advance our church, advance the gospel, get the gospel out on campus. Like it it just seems like they don't run out of energy for God. They're making time for every night of the week. It seems like to be doing a Bible study, volunteering in our youth ministry, volunteering with our college ministry, um, I really see these students and I'm most encouraged by them uh, because they're, they recognize that they're at a time in their lives when, you know, most of them aren't married and, and they can truly give it like all right now to God. And they really are. I feel like that's where I often see great energy for God. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, having that great energy for God, um, it does help when you're in your late teens, early twenties, that you actually do have a lot of energy, uh, maybe compared to Hunter and I who are raising kids and not sleeping enough. Um, but I wrote down standing firm and taking action. And Packer says, while their God is being defied or disregarded, they cannot rest. And it, mm-hmm. it is incredibly um, impressive how we have students so dedicated to the ministry and to just to doing God's work. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, and how they they seek to honor him and, um, you know, use their time in a way that's worthy. Mm. Yeah, I think, too, that, you know, it's easy when you're, when you're young and you first kind of get excited about your faith and you're learning things for the first time. And there's this energy that a lot of young Christians have that seems just in life to dwell off as we get older. And I think sometimes just the the weight of the world and the weight of Christian community and other people's struggles and bearing one another's burdens. I think that in that weight sometimes can squeeze that energy out of us. And I think that's what circles back to um, 
are we in the word? Are we meditating on God's truth? That's where mm-hmm. the Christian can, can find his fuel, you know, to continue to move forward in faithfulness. Because that, I think that's something that I see too, is like a lot of college students come in, they come to know the Lord, they, they understand the gospel, they're excited, and then they start doing ministry and ministry gets really messy and people are still sinful, even within the church and they're sharing burdens and they're starting to get weighed down with things. And then all of a sudden that initial kind of energy bump is gone. And now it's, well, are you fueling your love? Are you fueling your energy for the Lord? Just the same way that food works, you know? And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's another really important piece that we can get out of this book is this is like, this is how we fill ourselves and continue to fill ourselves with, with God's goodness. And we don't have time to go through all of them, but, but the last thing he talks about is this, uh, this peace, this contentment that is found with, with believers, um, and this boldness, you know, uh, this is another thing I think a lot of Christians really want early on is they, they want to be bold in, in today's world and they want to be uh, content and have a peace in your life. In what ways have you felt like something that you've learned about God or thought about God has driven you to either boldness or contentment? Um, I personally, I would say like one of my, my strengths, um, would be the contentment piece. I definitely still find myself needing to, needing to grow in boldness. Um, but there, there is a piece that's really difficult to explain in words. Um, but for me, it was when I learned, um, that my salvation couldn't be taken away from me. Um, nothing could, um, take me out of the hands of, of the Lord. And so, and when I understood what that full assurance, what that really was, um, for me, that, that was a piece that you is really indescribable. There's just, isn't anything that compares to it. Um, and I love that. I love how Packer explained it. Um, talking about people whose minds are possessed with that full assurance Uh, that they have known God and that God has known them. Um, And it's that relationship that guarantees God's favor to them in life through death and on forever. So just the, the promise, the assurance of eternity in heaven uh, with God and in relationship and communion with him, uh, what just was a, for me was a complete game changer. And I just have totally latched onto that ever since. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I mean, like I, I'm just thinking, hearing you talk about that, Amanda, I'm in church history, one of my seminary classes right now, and um, we're getting towards the Reformation, which will be next semester. And really what the Reformation hung on was Martin Luther wanted assurance that he knew the Lord, that he was saved. He was tired of indulgences mm-hmm. and penance, and he just wanted to be assured that like he knew the Lord and that what he was doing was good. Um, and there's so much peace and contentment in knowing that like we we can't it, with this in Christ's hands we really can't screw it up um, <laughs> we can certainly sin and we need to repent of those sins but like we cannot lose our salvation as Dean always said if you could lose your salvation you would have lost it on the car on the way here mm-hmm. um, and I, I just think that that is where we can find so much of our contentment and assurance that we have been saved by the God of the universe and that we're held secure, like it's sealed. Um, it's, it's never going to be removed. 
And I like the way that all these, this energy, this uh, contentment, this boldness, all these evidences in the book work together because I think when we think about contentment, we need to realize that Packer's not talking about complacency, that you just sit back, mm-hmm. do nothing, you're not bold, you don't have high energy, you just kind of find this little piece and then you sit, you know, you slide away into the corner. And um, knowing God and knowing God's truth leads to an energy and a boldness and a lot of action in our life, the, the boldness that we need to discuss the gospel with classmates, the energy that we need to walk with people through challenging things. I mean, there's a lot of action that comes, but there's also this, this peace that we can have that I think a lot of the world is looking for. You know, it kind of reminds me with what Amanda said when her and Bryce, her husband first came to city church and they saw this joy and they kind of, they, they looked at it and they said, I want that. I think it's the same too for the Christian that like, there's so much uncertainty in this world and there's so much uncertainty about what's next after life that a Christian can know that they rest in God's hands. And um, my encouragement to you, uh, my challenge to you guys, as you read this chapter and you look back on this chapter is to look through these evidences and actually take inventory in your life. Ask yourself, what ones am I good at? What ones am I struggling with? Why might I be having a hard time, actually journal out some of those thoughts and evaluate yourself in those things. And we hope that it leads to a fruitful change. So we will see you guys for chapter three.